I'm Lena van Zolberg for Business and with me today is Anne Rutledge from Resogenics and we're talking about flexible staffing. Hi Anne, um, welcome again to Business. Hi Linda, thanks very much for having me. It's awesome to be back. Well, flexible staffing seems to be the big thing in the world at the moment um, after the pandemic. Um, can you describe the difference between that and traditional staffing? So, I mean, flexible staffing has been around for, you know, ages. I think it's just sort of gotten a lot more spotlights after the pandemic uh, with a lot of individuals wanting to have more flexibility, organizations trying to find ways to, you know, re-augment their staff and, and look at how they provide that flexibility to staff as well. So um, the, the concept of being in a, you know, stable full-time job has kind of just evolved and people are more open now to having these flexible shorter term sort of assignments or contracts as it helps them to sort of get different experience and get different exposure to different industries and things like that. So it's really just taken off in a different way, more driven by the the workforce, if I should say that as well, as well as business needs and their ability to having to adapt to their changing business needs and their changing requirements and having to be very quick and agile in how they respond to the markets as well. So is it the same thing as what they call the gig economy? It, it's a part of it. The gig economy is a part of it, but also just individual, you know, having a contract for six months, having a contract for 12 months, being able to have multiple contracts, which gives you that work-life balance. Uh, for organizations, it definitely helps because, you know, sometimes they've got projects that they need to run, they've got critical deadlines and they need to bring in additional, uh, you know, skills to finish those deadlines, but they don't necessarily need those full-time employees like they had in the past. So it helps them as well to sort of plan and uh, be more equipped in terms of being able to meet those critical deadlines and meet their objectives as well. So what are the key drivers behind it? Um, Much of it is business driving as well, wanting to understand, especially in a world where you've got very scarce skills, where um, you you need to find those professionals they need access to those skills and by being able to be more flexible and being able to provide opportunities for people to work either remotely or across geographies and things like that, they're able to expand their talent pool and where they access those skills from. And then also from an individual perspective, I think many individuals have realized the benefits of being able to work on multiple industries, multiple projects, they're able to get their their skills, knowledge base increased and be able to understand what their strengths are in some instances as well. And I think also when you look at the younger generation coming into the workforce as well, you know, they often they don't have that expertise, that knowledge that is required, but being able to move around and do all of these shorter term sort of uh, contracts, they're able to gain that. Um, and they, they get exposure to different industries and they get exposure to different teams, different ways of work. And through that, they're able to do their career developments as well. So it's been a combination of both the workforce as well as business driving this uh, and looking at ways of how do they, you know, drive their workforce forward, how they meet the objectives of the business needs and still have access to talent. Well, if we look globally, um, labor laws probably have an impact on it. So how does it differ in different parts of the world? So definitely uh, labor laws plays a very big part of it. And every single region has got their own sort of rules and regulations and legislation that they need to do it. And then I think that's where some organizations, you know, when they embark down this large workforces that are flexible and contingent workforce and contracts, uh, they need to be conscious of that because there are 
very specific rules in different regions. I mean, in South Africa alone, we've got very stringent labor laws. So you need to be compliant. You need to make sure that you're mitigating all the risks around that as well. And on, on the same breath as well, it's also helping organizations in terms of, you know, their costs and their labor costs and things like that as well, because, you know, to run sort of a big workforce, you've got other additional costs that come into it as well with flexible working and partnering with with different companies like ourselves, for example, you're able to pass some of those costs across to us as well. So it is a balance. You've got to find the balance of what works, you know, what legislation is saying and making sure that you're mitigating for those risks as well. But large organizations are seeing the the benefits of it and they are, you know, putting in uh, practices and controls to be able to manage that as well. Can you share some of the industries or sectors that have done it really successfully? So we've seen an uptake. It's always been there from an IT sector, you know, from a contract work. And, you know, there's always been something that's there. So we've definitely seen an increase in the IT sector as well. Definitely in the financial institutions, we've seen a lot of that coming through. And many of them looking at, you know, their staff and how they kind of get a balance between permanent staff versus uh, flexible staffing as well. We've seen that in the telecoms industries, in engineering, in finance. Finance has had a very big uptake on that. You know, there's been a lot of professionals who really have embraced this whole flexible staffing concept as well. And you see a lot of financial um, chartered accountants, auditors, risk mitigation uh, consultants and things like that taking on this whole flexible staffing. And organizations have seen the benefit of doing that. You know, it's 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 a, a professional who is expensive, but bringing in contract workforce when you need them helps you to kind of manage your costs around that as well. They're not having to have the full-time expense as well. So how does the rapid change of technology and AI play into this world of non-permanent workers? So AI and technology really accelerated, if I can say that. We obviously saw that, you know, through technology, you're able to do all of this work anywhere. You're able to very quickly onboard resources, you know, whereas previously it could have taken you very long to find the talent to onboard them, bring them into your organization and get them up and running. Um, so it's definitely accelerated it. And it's, in, you know, organizations that have embraced the AI and the technology, we can definitely see that they have got that diverse uh, workforce and they are looking at how their capacity across their workforce is sort of uh, augmented into what should be permanent staff members, what should be contracting or all of that. So looking at projects and those critical projects, you know, they're able to use technology and AI to augment them with contract workforce as well. So how does this all affect the job market and the economy? Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, for a lot of individuals, you know, there's still that ability or that want and that need to have that full-time work. So that still is there. Um, and it does put an, an additional pressure sometimes into individuals and, and the workforce around, you know, you don't know when your next contract work is coming through. But I think it's also driven a very different thought pattern amongst the workforce in saying that, you know, as long as I can continue to look at different opportunities in a different way and I can grow my skills based across various industries, across various projects, I actually am building on my skills, which makes my CV more marketable. So people have embraced that. And some individuals actually don't want to go back to full-time work. They enjoy this moving around, doing different projects and things like that as well. But they also want to feel a connection to where they are as well. So we've seen that coming through quite substantially. 
you know, we're uh, contingent workers or flexible workers weren't generally part of the workforce. They weren't generally incorporated or felt, felt inclusive into the organizations. But now organizations who are embracing the flexible working are also understanding that they need to create mechanisms, communication channels, be able to embrace them as part of their workforce as well because they are contributing to the bottom line as well. So it's a balance between both of them and individuals and both companies need to come together and find a workable solution for both parties to make it work as well. So how do companies and workers approach the issues of pensions and you know other benefits like medical funds, tax? So <laughs> that's a very good question, you know, because being in the in the in the contract work, you know, those type of benefits are not generally offered to you. So there's a lot of individuals that are doing their own sort of pension funds, their own medical aid, their own benefits, and things like that. And you've got to, you know, be able to sort of budget accordingly and make sure that you have those things covered. There's a lot of programs available. Um, a lot of benefits and companies that are offering these type of sort of flexible, also a benefit type of schemes that contract workforce can get through to as well. Taxes is always going to be something that we have to pay. That's one thing in life. We always have to pay taxes. So making sure your taxes are in, in uh, order and making sure all of that is fine. And a lot of organizations from a compliance perspective are even checking those things as well to make sure that you are compliant, to make sure that you are, especially with your independent contractors and things like that, you know, making sure that they, there is a compliance factor from a tax perspective as well, so that there's not a, a comeback on that one as well. What age group do you find is keen on on flexible working? Because I've got friends with children that are in their early 20s and they are touring the world. One is on a ship. The other one works in India. The other one's surfing while he's working as an IT worker. So, But they are 20-something. Is that the age group? So there's a mixture. I would say there's definitely a mixture. I mean, the, the younger generation definitely, as I said, you know, they embrace it because they know that they can gain that expertise and all of that. But it's also retirees, you know, people who have retired coming back to help organizations with certain projects, coming back in a consulting sort of um, model as well. So that has also come in. People with families appreciate the, the flexibility as well because they can, you know, do their work-life balance around it. They can look after their children and all of that. So it, it is a mixture of it. I would say the younger generation probably embraces it a lot more. And I think as you get older and you start realizing what you want to do and what industry you want to be in and what jobs you want to do, you will settle on a full-time employment within some sort of uh, industry as well. But it's not always. There's always going to be those individuals. And we've got a lot of contractors that do not want to go perm. They enjoy it too much. They they like the flexibility. And, you know, they might be in their 40s and their 50s, but they enjoy it and they want to stay contracting and um, because it gives them that flexibility that they need within their work and their life. So where do you see the future of this going? Depending on legislations and how, you know, c- different countries embrace this, we're definitely going to see an uptake in it. But it is very dependent on the market. It is very dependent on, you know, where the world is going with technology and all of that as well. But I do see that it's going to be an increase in it. Um, if we look at technology and digital age at the moment, many, many individuals that are are coming into the job market, this is what they want. They want that flexibility. They want that work-life balance. So they're going to embrace it a lot more. And it's up to organizations to create those platforms, to create that culture that allows that inclusivity of everybody, of the entire workforce, whether you're permanent, whether you contract, you know, bringing them all together to drive one, one vision, one goal. 
and it's important that organizations look at their you know onboarding their talent um, sourcing strategies to see where are they going to be able to find those skills and, and incorporate that into their strategies. So what are some key takeaways or best practices that you believe organizations should keep in mind if they want to adopt this flexible staffing? Adopting flexible staffing is one of the key things around that is understanding what who you got, how you're engaging them, what sort of contracts you got in place. And there's a lot of control and compliance that you've got to look at in terms of making sure that you're not putting your, your organization at risk. So companies need to make sure that they've got their processes, their policies all in place to be able to support this and be able to implement controls around what makes sense in terms of it. So, you know, it's not it doesn't make sense to have somebody in a particular role, you know, for years and years and years on a contract role when actually it should be a full-time role. So what are your HR strategies around that? What are you looking at in terms of that? What are you providing to your your workforce for opportunities to move internally if possible, sort of retention of those skills as well, because that's another thing, you know, if you have a complete contingent workforce or contract workers coming in, you know, and they're moving around all the time, you lose the skills, you lose, you don't retain them. So how do you create an internal mobility type of solution where you can retain those skills and move them around and and, and engage them as well? And at the end of the day, people are also looking for training opportunities and career development. So how are you engaging your workforce to give them those opportunities as well, whether they are flexible or or contracts or permanent staff as well. And how does the future economic and social changes affect the course of flexible staffing? From that perspective, you know, it depends on a lot of factors. You know, you want to create jobs. We need to create jobs. We need to create opportunities for our youth and, and bring them into that. So it does help to have the flexible staffing model to be able to create those opportunities for our youth. And also then the youth need that guidance and they need that mentorship as well, which helps with bringing in your alumni, bringing in your your retirees to kind of mentor and guide those people as well. But in saying that, you know, you also need to make sure that, especially as an individual coming into the job market or workforce, or if you're considering flexible working or you're considering those kind of things is, you know, how are you going to handle it? How are you going to look for your next contract role? You know, because there's a level of responsibility on yourself as well to make sure that you're continuously keeping yourself engaged in those contracts and flexible working models as well. It's a tough one because, especially in South Africa with such a high unemployment rate, you know, many people want to have that full-time work. They want that stability. And, and, you know, creating those opportunities for individuals to be able to find work that is meaningful is important. And, And companies have got a responsibility to do that as well. So South Africa is actually losing people to Europe because of this. Not just because of this. I think there's a lot of factors that plays into why people leave or immigrate. And there's a lot of factors that play into that as well. But there's a lot of professionals that we are losing in South Africa that are, you know, moving overseas, finding those opportunities in the, in the UK, in, in Europe itself. So we have seen a talent exodus happening. And that's also where all companies have had to relook at their talent strategies because being able to be more flexible, you have access to a bigger talent pool. So you could have a South African who is based in the UK, but working, you know, for a South African company here. So through a, 
flexible arrangements as well. And that, that happens quite often. Um, and we've seen a lot of individuals who are still providing services to, to South African companies, but from abroad. Thanks, Anne Rutledge from the Resort Thank you very much.